Well, good morning, UPC. It's uh, good to be with you, kids. Thank you so much. That was so fun. I'm glad that I was here to be able to, to witness that and, and sing and rejoice with you all. And so uh, this morning, let's go ahead and look at our text. We're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Let me go ahead and read it for us this morning. And so on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and they signaled over to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's uh, go to the Lord together and pray. Well, Father, we uh, thank you for the chance to open your word. We thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for, for Jesus. Thank you for just the chance to gather as God's people and to sit underneath the authority of the scriptures. And so, Jesus, my prayer this morning is, is simple. Would we be able to see you more clearly? Would the gospel of Jesus just capture our hearts, capture our imagination, Lord, and just cause us to leave everything behind that might be a barrier to following and walking with Jesus? So, Jesus, this morning, help us to do this. Help us to be faithful. Give us strength. May we rely on your strength in, in our weakness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as you can see from the text this morning that we're going to be talking about discipleship. And we're using this account of uh, just this conversation that exists between Jesus and Peter to talk about what does it mean for us to follow Jesus and to live as disciples. And now we're at the point of the Gospel of Luke where, where Jesus has uh, been tempted. And now in, in these chapters, Jesus is building his team. He is calling others to follow him. He is calling others to join his team. And as we just saw, Jesus, he has authority over everything, right? He has authority over, over the laws of physics and over nature. Jesus here in our account, he uses the miraculous. He uses his authority to give Peter the greatest catch of his life. 
And so the two things that we're going to consider today is how Jesus uses his authority both to expose Peter, but also to equip Peter. And the same is true for us today as followers of of Jesus, is that Jesus, when we follow him, he both exposes us, and yet that exposure is also part of how he equips us, how he sends us out. And so let's look at what it means in the first, uh, first eight or nine verses. To What does it mean that Jesus exposes Peter? And this big idea here is I, I kind of want to set the, the, the parameters by what I mean by exposing is that this big idea here is that Jesus exposes Peter not to humiliate him, but in order that Peter might be healed, in order that Peter might be healthy. And so our text begins, and it is a packed house. I mean, people are curious at who Jesus is because he's teaching with just such unprecedented authority. And Jesus is just teaching by the lake of Gennesaret, and people are packed in. And what Jesus does is that Jesus decides to to take over Peter's boat, and he turns Peter's boat into this floating pulpit in which Jesus continues to teach about the gospel. And look at just this conversation. The conversation that that exists between Peter and Jesus is really the heart of this text. I mean, look at the conversation that that ensues in in verse 4. And when he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And do you know what Jesus is saying to Peter here, friends? Jesus is saying to Peter, you know, look, Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something that might not make a lot of sense, but I want you to trust me. This is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something that might not make a lot of sense to you, but I want you to trust me. And in verse 5, I mean, you just, you just, you can see and you can almost feel in your body just Peter's, Peter's reticence, his, his hesitancy. He says, you know, and Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And here is what is going on. So Peter and his crew, they're, during the middle of the day, they are tending to their nets and fixing their nets on the shore. This was just customary for, for fishermen. They would, you know, often their nets would break or just needed fixed or strengthening. And so that's what Peter, Peter and his crew are doing. They had just spent the previous night before out doing the tough, difficult work of fishing. And the text says they caught Nothing. Nothing. Do you know how frustrating that is to put so much effort and energy into something and for for you to yield nothing or for you to yield what you didn't expect? And so, as you can imagine, they were out all night and and Peter and his team, they're, they're tired and they're fixing their nets. And then here comes Jesus, right? Here comes Jesus. And he says, Peter, I want you to take your nets, put them back in the boat, and I want you to go out into the deep and to let down your nets. I mean, this this request from Jesus is just so illogical to a fisherman because the best time and place to fish was at night in the shallow. And here's Jesus saying, 
during the middle of the day, I want you to go out into the deep and let down your nets. Peter says, Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something that doesn't make sense, but I want you to trust me. And so Peter, he lets down the nets. He follows Jesus at his word. And and we know from the story that Peter, he's not sorry about following Jesus at his word. I mean, they have fish for days. So much fish that both boats began to sink. I mean, imagine what that was like to go out in the middle of the day to trust Jesus at his word and to bring in the catch of Peter's life. And you just see how Peter responds to just Jesus' authority and the miraculous. In verse 8, look with me, it says, But when Simon Peter saw it, the miraculous, the catch, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter is overwhelmed. Peter is exposed. Peter is in the presence of God, and there's no way that he can hide the fact of his sin. But again, again, Jesus exposes Peter here not to humiliate him, not to rub his sinful, not to rub his, his nose in his own sin, but he exposes Peter in order that Peter might experience transformation, in order that he might experience healing. I mean, just look at, look at verse 10. I mean, Peter has the greatest catch of his life, and then Peter has this great confession. And how does Jesus respond to Peter's confession? Verse 10, it says this, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Can you imagine just being laid bare before the Lord, just feeling like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go out. I don't know how this is going to unfold. I've just been so exposed. And Jesus tells Peter, do not be afraid. I mean, just these, these words of assurance, these words of comfort, these words of healing, And so, when Jesus exposes you and I, do you know what he's doing? Do you know what Jesus is up to when he's just exposing us? That Jesus is shifting our dependence. That's what Jesus is doing. He's shifting our dependence. Because, look with me, imagine if it were possible at all. This is speculation, but just imagine Peter, the professional fisherman. He knows the best spots to fish. He knows the best time of day to fish. Couldn't it be possible that Peter was thinking, Jesus, this carpenter, is coming to me and telling me how to fish? Like, he's coming to me and telling me how to work. I mean, you can just imagine just how how crazy of an ask is is Jesus making of of Peter. This is is Peter thinking just, you know, Jesus, you're a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. You know, you can't tell me what to do. I know better. Isn't it possible that Peter was thinking that? And Jesus comes, and it's just this total shifting of Peter's dependence. From dependence on himself, 
right? It's dependence on Christ, trusting Christ at his word. And I know for myself, I can't tell you what better place to, that the Lord has used this shifting of dependence in my life than uh, just the calling of, of parenting. Parenting is, is, is tough. And so even just this, a few weeks ago, less than a month ago, I, I yelled at my kids. And I don't say that proudly, the, the irony of saying that on, on, on Father's Day even, but I, I yelled at my kids. And it wasn't just this half-hearted yell. It was, it was all in. I was mad. I was upset. I was frustrated. And as I'm sitting down on our orange couch, just feeling ashamed, feeling sad about what I said and how I said it, my four-year-old son came up to me and he said, Daddy, I love you. I don't want to fight. You need to have control. <laughs> I'm, I'm able to laugh about that now, right? But, but in the moment, man, I, and I was just like, Ah, yes, you know, and it, it was just this, this, this moment in which the Lord was pursuing me through my four-year-old and exposing where my heart was with my speech. And it was just this exposure, again, in the Lord's kindness and grace so that I might experience transformation in my words so that I might bless instead of harm that the Lord was using this interaction with my child not to humiliate me, but in order that there might be healing. It was, this, it was this honest and raw opportunity for me to believe the gospel, for me to confess my sin, for me to receive the assurance of pardon, for me to uh, ask my son to, to forgive me that daddy sinned against you, and for me to get to work to get to work, of, of, of just praying that the Lord would bring about transformation in my heart that would affect my speech and the way that I talk with my family and friends. It was just this, this moment for me here to believe the gospel, right? That there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, that we have the assurance of God's promises. And so, and so the question, a point of application for all of us here this morning is perhaps, you know, what would, what would your life look like? What would our life look like if Christ brought about transformation in this area? Like this is, this is the question for all of us to consider. What would our life look like if Christ brought about transformation in our speech? If Christ brought about transformation in the way we relate to our spouse? if Christ brought about transformation in the way we relate to our neighbor. You see, this, this exposure, it is, it is difficult, and it is painful. And it's difficult and painful because I'm prideful, right? And we're prideful. And what I want you to know this morning is that through this messiness of growth in Christ that we call sanctification, that the hope of the gospel changes the way that we think about our lives. The hope of the gospel says that where there is death, that there can be life. 
And so what the hope of the gospel does is it changes the way and it actually gives us this this hopeful imagination to envision what our lives might specifically look like if Christ were to bring about transformation. Transformation to make us more generous. Transformation to make us more uh, patient and loving and steadfast and bearing with one another. And so what would our lives look like if Christ brought about transformation? I want us to just think about that. And I don't want us just to stop there. I want us to actually answer that question, to write it out specifically, to write it out what would actually change in my life if Christ brought about transformation here. How would I relate differently? Write out that answer and then share it with people that you're in community with so that you can together have help to pursue this transformation that Christ brings. Again, it's an exposure not to humiliate us, but it's an exposure in order that we might experience the deep renewal and transformation that only Christ can bring. So exposure. Secondly, the equipping. Jesus Jesus exposes Peter, but he also equips Peter. And in fact, the exposure is part of the equipping, right? Because this exposure that we just named, I mean, doesn't it make sense that if Jesus is to send them out, if Jesus sends us out as fishers of men, people that would proclaim the gospel in word and deed, doesn't it make sense that Jesus would send us out as followers aware of our sin and aware of our brokenness? Doesn't it make sense that Jesus would send us out aware of our great need for his grace? And to stress this point even more, in verse 11, it says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Peter, James, John, leave everything to follow Jesus. Following Jesus requires us to let go of all that may hinder our full availability and service to Christ. That's what it means, that we, that we let go of all that may, that may hinder or be a barrier to our full availability and service to Christ. Because when the disciples, when they left everything here, they were leaving behind economic and vocational implications. There were social ramifications from following Jesus. It was economic, vocational, social. One theologian, he says this. He says, when Jesus calls, he certainly demands everything. He certainly demands everything, but only because he has already given of everything himself. Jesus has plans in store for us and for the world that we would never have dreamed of. And so what's Jesus calling us to? Well, he's calling us to follow him. Jesus is calling us to follow him, meaning that the person and the work of Christ, that his mission would be so compelling, that the person of Jesus would be so beautiful, and that his mission to to see this invisible kingdom made visible here on this earth, that that would be so compelling, that it would capture our hearts and imaginations to the extent that we would trust Jesus at his word and that we would cast our nets. Jesus is saying to us that, you know, I I know that some of you, I know that some of us have grown accustomed to fishing at night and in the shallow. 
right? That's what fishermen did. That's where they fished because they, they knew it was best, the most bang for their buck. And Jesus is saying, I know that you've grown accustomed to, to fishing in these places that are familiar and comfortable. You're content here. You're comfortable here. But Jesus is telling us, I want you to go out into the deep during the middle of the day and let down your nets. Jesus is asking us, hey, 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 this, this might not make a lot of sense to you, but I want you to go out into the deep during the middle of the day and let down your nets. So casting our nets, being fishers of men, how do we even think about what this looks like for us practically? I mean, where do we even start here? And one of the things that I've just grown just very uh, passionate about is just like seeing uh, throughout the Gospels, time and time again, you just see the way Jesus uses hospitality as mission. I mean, you just look at just almost just so many interactions throughout the gospel accounts are Jesus just showing up, being himself, and dining. And dining and sitting with tax collectors and, and sinners. Uh, being, being and showing his presence to people that, that are marginalized and that are forgotten about and that are really on the lower rungs of society. Jesus just uses this hospitality as mission. And so one of the things that has just absolutely changed the way that I pray, and perhaps because it's like we're planting this church and this is just me being in utter desperation, is just using, for instance, let's talk about what hospitality's mission means. And, and, so, and so one of the things that has just changed my prayer life is just taking a three by five index card, writing three to five names of people on it, people that I'm praying for, people that, uh, that I would love to befriend, people that I would love to see come to know Jesus. And I put those names on this card and I pray for them. And I pray for them regularly. And I keep this stack of cards with me. It's these, these prayer cards. It's not anything I've invented. If you've heard of Paul Miller, he's just completely transformed the way that I think about prayer. And I write those names on that prayer card. I keep it with me as best as I can. I pray for these people regularly. And then I just look for opportunities to invite these people that I'm praying for out to coffee, out to lunch, over to my house for a meal. And I'd say something along the lines of like, you know, hey, it's, it's, it's been a while. Like, I would love to reconnect with you. You know, are you available at this time, at this place to grab coffee? Just saying something as simple as that in a text message, in an email. Um, and then when you get together with this person, we, I, we just ask questions about their life. Pursue them as you would any other just friend and just wanting to like be friends with, with someone who doesn't go to church regularly or has questions about, uh, about the scriptures and the, the, uh, the historicity of, of, of the Bible. And to ask questions and to, and to listen using this hospitality as mission. And as you're asking questions and, and listening, you begin to hear by how they respond what they value. What is precious to them? What is the worldview that they're operating in? And if you have the means to pay for them, then, then pay for them. But if you don't, don't stress. Just go out and grab a quick cup of coffee. Ask them questions. Learn to listen and just to hear what they value. 
It's just this opportunity for us to use hospitality as mission, for us to cast our nets, for us to trust Jesus at his word, to be fishers of men. And so even as I say that, I know that there might be some of you that are feeling fear because I feel fear doing this and I'm doing it a lot. I feel feel fear about what is this person going to think of me? Like, are they going to like me because I want to be liked? And so you might be feeling fear. You might be feeling reluctance at just this idea of just casting your nets, of being fishers of men. And I just want to remind you, I want to remind me of Luke chapter 9, in which Jesus says, you know, when you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. When you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. What this means is that as we leave behind barriers that hinder us to following Jesus fully, that you find joy. You might find life. That you and I, as we leave behind these barriers, we actually, ironically, the way that the upside-down kingdom works is that as we die to ourselves for the sake of Christ and follow him, we find joy. We find satisfaction. We find delight because following Jesus is counterintuitive. It's this upside-down kingdom that even when we are weak and fearful, that when we are with Jesus, he makes us strong. Jesus makes us strong for his mission. It's the story of the scriptures time and time again that Jesus, he calls the reluctant, he calls the hesitant, he calls the timid, he calls the fearful, he calls the anxious, he calls sinners like you and me to follow him and participate in his mission of making fishers of men. And Jesus, he calls us to follow him. And do you know what he says? He says, I want you to go out into the deep during the middle of the day and let down your nets. Go out into the deep and let down your nets. And I, Jesus, will show you my power. Jesus will show you what he can do. Jesus will show you how he is faithful to provide. Jesus will show you how his power is made perfect in your weakness. Jesus will equip you for his mission. And so when Jesus calls us to follow him, friends, he calls us and he exposes us, but that exposure is also part of our equipping. And he equips us when we're on mission by proving to us in his promises that he alone is enough and that he alone is worthy of our trust. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just the truth of the scriptures that you do call the fearful, you call the broken, you call the anxious, the timid, the the reluctant, the hesitant. Jesus, you call sinners to follow you, to participate in this mission of making fishers of men. Jesus, because when we are weak, we are strong in Christ. And so, Father, may that truth of the gospel, with wherever we might feel fear, with those names that we're thinking of, those three to five individuals, Lord, 
their stories, the fact that they're made in the image of God, how they have fears and dreams and longings and and brokenness that exists in their life. Give us the eyes to see. Give us the hearts to have compassion. And Lord, give us the strength to just move towards them in friendship, move towards them in relationship. And might we trust you because you are powerful, you strengthen us, and you are good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.